If you find your way in your notes to page 10, the notes are probably going to be helpful to you today. You'll want to be able to use them later as you meet in a group. Uh, for years, as I pastored in one church, um, I had an older pastor, retired pastor, and he was just a huge encouragement to me in so many ways. And I would go to him for advice. And, but one time we were eating breakfast, and he looked at me, and he goes, John, do you ever have an original thought? And I think he was trying to correct me, and I'm like, yeah, no, pretty much not. Um, so like today's uh, message is built on a grid, just kind of like I did that for a couple of messages with you already. Most of this grid, about half of it, comes from a friend of mine named Jim Berg, and he came and spoke at our church, uh, helped with our counseling ministry. Um, I think he's located actually out east and has been associated with Bob Jones for quite a while. Many of you have studied uh, some of his material that deals with quieting a noisy soul. So part of this comes from him. I made some adjustments to his grid, and he knows that. We've talked through them. He does not disagree with it. Um, it's just fun to have friends in ministry who are smarter than you, who are more organized than you, and you, you should bank on that. So some of you are that person, and you'll be that for others, and some of us are just going to borrow and gain and cause other things out of your your skills that God has given you. And so I, I, I want to tell you that, first of all, because I forgot in doing this on the fly to put Jim's name on that page, and I really wanted that um, because I want to make sure that you understand a source you can go to that's helpful, and also to pattern the fact that we depend on one another. That's what the body of Christ is, and to gain from each other's expertise and to, to interact together in a way, hopefully, that stretches us and builds us. I would say, and, and Jim would say this too, there's nothing on this page except for scripture references that you will write in um, that's inspired. Okay, so like if you don't like part of how this goes, think through it with Scripture, adjust it. But I, I do believe in having used this now for well over 10 years with those who are struggling through life-dominating situations, sins and struggles and hurts that they could not find them the way out from under, things that just oppress them. And some of you go, well, that's not me, so I think I'm just going to take a little snooze, okay? I just want to talk to you before you snooze, okay? God may want you to help somebody who's in that spot, thought one. Thought two, your life's not over yet. And you do not know the assignment that God has for you. When I worked on an ambulance while I was in college, I had to go out to a whole room of friends, people I knew from Cedarville who were close friends with another young man who had just broken his neck on campus and tell them, this guy's not walking again. And he had no idea when he went to college two years before that he was going to have this kind of assignment. And, uh, you know, he probably made a bad choice that led to that. He would say that. Um, but understand, God's in charge of that. I've made a lot of bad choices that did not end in a broken neck that could have. Okay? For whatever reason, God chose no for me so far. Um, but we don't know the types of assignments we're going to have, things that could happen against you that are wrong, that are sinful, and the list goes on and on. So I'm just saying, if you're ready to snooze, be careful, because even in this last 12 months, I found myself on a part of this chart that I have not visited very often. And that's at the bottom. I think If we have the slide come up, the first one, at the bottom of this chart and, uh, is the word Despair. And I want to kind of cover two stories and use scripture as we do this. The two stories, I'm going to give you a piece of my despair. 
And I, I think, man, I'm old compared to most everybody in this room, except for a couple of people I could call out. But other than that, I mean, I'm pretty old, and you're like, man, is it going to relate? But you know, at the heart level, despair is despair. And my heart is the same as your heart. It's bruisable. It hurts. It grabs a hold of wrong stuff at a root level that really is the same. It doesn't matter our age. And that's why you can relate to somebody who has a very different sin than you because the root things in the heart are the same for their sin as your sin. Um, it's just the outward things may be different. The age may be different, the type of sin. So I'm going to share a little bit of my story, not too much. And then I'm going to share the story of the last uh, young man that I led to Christ. And I shared some of this a couple of years ago when I was here, but there's a piece of the story uh, that is brand new that I, I just want to show that it's at the top of the chart. We call this the way down chart. That's what Jim Berg would call it, but I would call it the way down or the way up. And in a few minutes, we'll get to the way up because I want you to know how do I get out of despair? Uh, how do I make sure I'm on the other side of the page or the top side of the page, if you will? Despair. Despair, well, let me use scripture to define despair. It sounds something like this. And this is Psalm 13. You may want to go there later, or you could just listen. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy or adversary says I've prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am whooped, I am shaken. That's what it feels like, just to define it. It's, I can't even find God. And you say, well, I'm a believer. That's never really true. You're right. It's never true. We're going to go to verses that say that today. But in our soul, we come to points where we can't find God, though he is still where he always is. And if you do not know Christ as Savior, you're not really his child, having submitted to his plan, repented of sin, and begun to walk with him, which is what always happens when you have real faith. If you haven't done that, let me tell you, um, it is just natural to find your way to despair. It's just a matter of time. The young man that um, I met a few years ago came to me through my daughter's influence. They were in theater together. And uh, he actually worked with our family one winter day, uh, early spring day, where the snow was super deep at the end of every driveway, and our boys owned this business. We were short help, and he shoveled with part of our family all day. And what I didn't know is that he was on the cusp of suicide. He was done. And he didn't look that way. Despair doesn't always look like it on the face. You know, some people can look just totally fine. But inside, they are ready to sleep the sleep of death. And they may not choose suicide, but they're, they are done with life. There is no light in their eye. And uh, we get there. Both believer and unbeliever gets there. In this young man's case, he didn't know Christ. And his life had been really hard. I mean, how do we get to despair? Sometimes we get there and we have, like, how did I find my way here? But there are certain circumstances that cause that. In his case, he, in despair, was thinking suicide. He was thinking run. Like, I just don't want to be with anyone. And he didn't actually run. He was shoveling with us, right? But he was not about to let anybody in at all. And 
He also used people. That's what he would say. Um, he used them for his gain because I'm not letting them in. And I'm gonna, if, if life is this terrible, I might as well buy up what I can get. And so he would use people in different ways. This is some of the common responses when we're at a place of despair. Despair is different than sorrow. God doesn't judge sorrow. He never calls it wrong. You're going to see sorrow on the upside of the page. But despair is when God has gone distant from us in our heart, our soul. For me, when I found myself in despair, I wanted to quit. And I actually wanted to ignore God. Even though I was serving God, I, I was working for him, but I did not want to walk with him because it was too doggone uncomfortable. I knew what he was calling me to do on some things, and I just I didn't like the things that he had allowed in and around my life, and we'll talk about that. And then for me, it especially related to church. How do we get to despair? It comes from our discontents. So go up your page just a little bit and look at your discontents. So if you are struggling with sin in your life and or you've come all the way to despair, you have discontents. You have things that to you, you can't square with who God is. They don't make sense. Maybe you don't even believe in God and you're just like, I hate life. What's the point of life? We just live and then we die. What's the point? And honestly, without Jesus, that's kind of accurate. Because if you don't have Jesus, despair is where, if you'll really think about life and death, you will always end in despair without Jesus. Because you don't have anything that's future, that's eternal, that is hope. And so what are your discontents? When I counsel people for years with this, they always know their discontents. I have pulled up to my desk on more than one occasion, knowing I'm not in a good spot with God. And the first thing I do is I write my discontents. I write the things I don't like. I'm frustrated with. I don't think are fair, okay? So enough of me. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to shout out discontents that may or may not have been a part of your life or your friends, okay? So if someone says one of these, it's probably not theirs. It's just something they know from living with all of you can be a discontent. But they're, the thing they say may help the rest of us, okay? So for my friend, uh, my teen friend who... Um, I was working with a few years ago. He was discontent with his family. His mom and dad fought constantly. They were at the point of divorce. They were in two separate rooms. Uh, one of them had actually walked out, and he chased them down and, and said, you cannot leave tonight. <laughs> and his life, he was the last kid at home. His life was just, there was nothing safe at home because it wasn't just their disruption, but there was nastiness that would come at him, and it was real. I've talked to the parents just so you know. He, he didn't have friends. His friends had disowned him because he had used some people. They had disowned him. He was totally on his own. And rumors and any reputation he had left was being shredded in, his, in the school that he went to. It was out loud. Matter of fact, so much so he got pulled in by the counselor. Are these things true in your life? And he's just feeling like, man, no one trusts me. I have nothing on my side. And he, so he, he was discontent with the whole friend thing. And honestly, because of the rumors, he was completely discontent with society. Like this place we live, I won't use the words he used with me, it's terrible, okay? And he was just done. And that's why he found himself all the way to despair, because of these discontents that, and, and let me ask you, were those circumstances in his life real? Yes, we're not talking about, uh, it, our discontents come from circumstances, um, and we'll talk about why, 
in a moment, but his, these things were real in his life, but being discontent about them is saying, God, why on earth have you done this? And even if you don't know God, when you are disgusted with earth, understand, he rules over all, and so when you're disgusted with where he's placed you, you are disgusted with God. And that's what discontent is. So, and for me, I have been discontent with loss. I've gone through extreme relational and church loss and hurts. And I don't like that in my human side. When I'm not spiritual, I'm discontent with that. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's unfair. And that's how I can be discontent with my church situation in particular. And then more recently, fortunately, I learned some lessons from this, but I almost went back to that with having to move and feeling the loss of friendships because friendships always change when you move. And I just, I don't, it's very easy for me to want to be discontent with that. But that will take me where? Despair, that's right. And um, all of us, anyone here is like, yep, I just really want to be full of despair for as much of my life as possible. I mean, nobody ever says that. If they do, we're going to come alongside of you immediately because you are in despair and in deep trouble, okay? Um, So just raise your hand. I'm going to point because I don't know anybody's name pretty much. um, And just give a one-word discontent or maybe two-word discontent. Help us. What are some other discontents? Even if I mention them, you can say them. What are some? You might write them on your page. Yeah, just circumstances. And, of course, what are some of those circumstances? Help maybe even a little more specific on some of that. What things? Yes, sir. Yep. Failure. Failure. Oh, yeah. I hate the fact that I did horrible on this, right? I'm discontent with me. Absolutely. I've been there. Yeah, friendships. When they evaporate, when they're mean. I mean, there's just... Every angle that of hardness and friendship. Yes, sir. I couldn't hear you. I'm old. Depression. Oh, yeah. So that's that's the truth. When I get down to despair, which depression and despair, despair is kind of more the biblical word for a lot of that. Depression is just I hate that. So I hate the fact that I'm in despair, which takes me where? Yeah. So it self feeds then at that point. I'm just stuck there. Image, yeah, I don't like either the image of the way I actually look physically. We all struggle with that. I mean, we all have things about ourselves we don't like. And I've met that in people that I thought, you know, like my wife, who's drop-dead gorgeous, and she's like, yeah, but, you know, my curl's out of place. I'm like, yeah, and I like it that way. You know what I mean? But she can be discontent with it. You know what I mean? Like, it's goofy how that works. But if I have that, again, a discontent, She can come to total despair where people disfigure themselves and cut themselves and any number of things that come out, right, when we're down in that despair area. A couple more, quickly. COVID. COVID, yeah. I have watched tons of what godly people be incredibly discontent. I told our our, uh, directors at our mission, we're about to have council meeting in a month or so. I said, you can say the word COVID once. And I said, I don't, that's all. One contextual COVID word, that's it, or pandemic. You can use one or the other, only once. All I want to hear is Christ. I want to hear what Christ has done, how he's guiding, where we're going with him, what he's accomplishing. I do not want to focus on this earthly thing because that will create discontent. 
Why are we disconnected? It's not shaped. Church isn't shaped the way I want. Would you quit crying and do God's business? Right? Now I'm getting on the other part of the chart. I'll quit preaching. You hit a nerve with me. Stop that. Yes, sir. Yeah, inferiority. And we should be inferior. I told my son on the way to college, I said, I'm, I'm really, I'm sorry, son. Apologize. But your mom and I gave you limited DNA. <laughs> And my son's like pretty much a straight-A student, the one I was talking to. I said, you're about to meet people who their parents gave them much more to work with. I said, do not look down on yourself. God has made you exactly the way he has, and actually you're fantastic. And he pretty much graduated, I think he did, graduated with the highest honors you can from Cedarville. I mean, he's a smart kid. But he called me about two months or three months into school and said, I met one of those people. (laughs) I said, just celebrate them because God made them, and that's really cool. Don't be inferior. Don't be discontent. God, well, I'm getting out of the cell, but one more. Death, yeah. That's reality. When people we love die, when death is rampant around us, it is easy to be discontent. God doesn't even like death. He's a lover of life. And so our image mitigates against death. But to be discontent and not frame that, like we'll talk about with right faith, death will take us to despair. That was excellent. Thank you for giving that one. So you see that, okay? Despair. Now, when I have discontents, it leads to despair. A few more moments on the negative, and that is on the way to despair, three things happen, Um, and more than this, but here's three that we'll put up there. Anger, addiction, and anxiety. So if you take a moment, and your, your counselor may ask you this, I think you should be able to share your discontents. I've shared some of mine with you already. Um, and for me, I told you my discontents of loss and hurt, I don't like that, I don't want that, and I became discontent with some of that. And so what happened? For me, um, I gravitate toward anger and addiction. We usually have two that are our favorites. I'm capable of all three things. Um, but you know, when I'm discontent, I try and fill up things that make me happy. And so, you know, I eat things I shouldn't eat in an addictive way um, at those moments. I, I feel that I don't like my life thing. I don't like how it's going with food. And it doesn't necessarily mean I ate too much, although I'm quite capable of that. But I eat it for the wrong reason, which is not to the glory of God, which is then sin. I also uh, can consume media and not sleep as God would want me to sleep, right? Because I'm just like, ah, life's hard, another show. And it might not even be an evil show. Matter of fact, I would say 90 plus percent of the time I pick stuff that's not inherently evil at all. I mean, it's not even, you're not even compromised at all. But the vibe, it does not produce godliness. It does nothing to help me. And why is that happening? Because I'm discontent. Let me tell you, when you do those behaviors, so I do my behaviors that I just described, where do I end up? Despair. That's what it leads to. And despair leads to more addiction. Being controlled by other things that aren't Jesus. That's what it leads to. Anxiety is the same way. In COVID, I've seen anxiety go, whoa, in our society. Right? Because they're discontent with COVID. Discontent with vulnerability, et cetera, et cetera. And so what happens? I fear to die. Um, I fear sickness. I fear my kid being sick. I fear, 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 fear. And is there godly fear? 
Yeah, absolutely. If a Rottweiler that's, I shouldn't pick on a, a breed. If a dog runs in here foaming at the mouth with rabies, you shouldn't go, oh my, there's a dog. No, you should jump up, run, kick it, throw your counselor toward it so you're safe. No, I'm kidding. You guys, you were thinking that, weren't you? Bad people. <laughs> I just wrecked the whole chapel. Anxiety, okay? Out of anxiety, we do, e we do evil things when we're controlled by our fears. And you say, you don't understand. My life is full of dangerous things. You're right. Some of your circumstances should be feared correctly. Like, it's a God-given response, so you do not die, honestly. Okay? You swerve the car appropriately out of fear, and you should have a rush and be like, yeah, afterward. That's okay. All right? God gave you that. But when that's controlling your life, you're going to end up in despair. And it's going to feed addictions or feed anger. For me, I also go to anger. Man, when I'm discontent with life, I'm just like, I'm ready to chew on the next thing that comes at me. And that's just my natural sinful response. And it's sin. And again, is there righteous anger? Yes, I've just almost never done it. Okay? <laughs> um, but it is possible, just like fear. Um, and is there righteous addiction? I really think your desire for Jesus could be labeled that. And it's just not, because desire is used for that. That same word is used in a holy way regarding Jesus, okay? And our relationship with him that's balanced then and right because it's on the right one. These three things add. Uh, and bitterness, by the way, is, is foaming underneath the anger for sure when that becomes a pattern. And then when I have despair, I get angry again or I switch to anxiety and I have this cycle at the bottom of the page that I cannot get out of. You know, whether you've ever done drugs or not, you could counsel someone with drugs because every one of you have an addictive behavior that you can go to. My one pastor used to say, your favorite sin. I'm like, why do you say it that way? Because as soon as you say that, it pops in my head, and I know that I know that it's my favorite. And fortunately, unfortunately, it's not just one, right? That I find myself, that vomit that I find myself going back to. And so when I counsel addictive people, I, my addiction is for a good label is potato chips. That's what they use on me, or pie. They use those too. And so when we'd eat together, they'd say, can we bring something? I'm like, yeah, and you know what they'd bring? Pie and potato chips. I'm like, what are you doing? I said, I didn't bring heroin to the table. <laughs> I didn't. I look at them, I said, I flushed your heroin. And you laugh. They get really serious. And they're, they actually, as they get serious with this, they say, is it okay if I bring chips? I said, yes, it is. I said, I'm just not going to eat any at this meal. And I said, I'm not offended by that. Because... Um, you know, we, we should grow to a spot where we have good controls, right? But I do not let them leave the chips at my house after the meal, right? All of that, and you laugh, you're just like, that's not the same as heroin. It is the exact same heart issues. There is no difference between me and the drug addict at a heart level. And until you recognize that, you won't appreciate the grace that's at the top end of this chart, okay? So these three things, I just ask you, which one's your favorite? if you had to label it, one of these three. And you say, but I think out of last night, I would say um, the pride of life. You can put pride of life right there. 
Discontents will feed pride of life. Pride of life will feed discontents. By the way, addiction feeds discontent. And so you're just caught in the bottom. Okay, so we have that labeled. Um, let's, <laughs> that would be depressing if that's all we had. And I think, by the way, I think this is mostly the side that's Jim Berg's. I would say this is really true. Um, this is what happens. Let's talk about the way out of this or the way up. Um, oh, let me say one more thing before you do that. Click one more time for me. Um, unbelief. Where do our discontents come from? And someone said our circumstances, you know, I'm discontent with my circumstance. Totally agree. But circumstances do not bring our discontents. If that was true, every time life would have a storm, I would be shaken and rattled around. And Ephesians clearly says that God is having us speak truth and love and building up who we are as body of Christ together so that we're not tossed by every wind and, and agitation and struggle and suffering. And so what really brings discontents is, Jim Berg would use the word unbelief. I don't like his word, but I use it because I think he's probably smarter than me, okay? But unbelief, he's saying, you're not believing the right thing. So my church going through struggle and people harming each other, should I like that? No, because it's sinful, it's wrong. If you've had wrong done to you, you shouldn't be like, well, I'm good with that. I like it when wrong's done to me. No, okay? But discontent is saying, God, you're wrong for allowing this into my, my world. And that comes when we don't believe God correctly. We're not believing, and, and again, there's hundreds of things you could not be believing or that you're believing wrongly, okay, um, that take you there. Like, for instance, when I, like, I don't like hurting, <laughs> and I don't think we should go, God, hurt me some more. That's kind of a warped a prayer. I, I don't think that's right. Okay, we shouldn't want to hurt. But when I'm in hurt, in order to keep from discontent, I have to think or, and, and then believe the correct thing. And the belief I have to have is what it says um, in Romans 5. So go there, because it would be better for you to actually look at the passage. Okay, so in Romans 5... And I picked this because you probably know this passage. Chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Since we have been justified by faith. In other words, we've been made right with God by faith. So we believed in what Jesus has done on the cross and his resurrection, his death, his taking our sin and paying the penalty for that sin so we can be purchased. And, and we believe in him and we turn and put our total confidence in him, not ourselves, not the world, not our church, not anything else but Christ. He says, since we've been justified by that faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, let me ask you. Discontent, peace. They don't go together. You say, but my circumstance. Circumstance, peace. Peace overrides all that. Look at the verse carefully. If you have been justified by faith, if you're not redeemed, I can't help you this morning with having peace unless you come to Christ. I can't help you with your despair, okay? Unless you do the first part of this verse, unless you become justified by faith. If you believe in Christ, what does he say? We have peace with God if we do all the right things for the rest of our life. Is that what it says? No. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the one we've just believed in. You know, it's like my son, my oldest son, he just... 
for whatever reason, God has graced him in so many ways. And he's mowing yard. He doesn't even have his license yet. And he's drooling every time he mows past this 1991 jacked-up Jeep Wrangler Red. It's got a brand-new cover on it, brand-new exhaust, brand-new brake lines. Uh, he knows all this because he has looked under it when he's weed-eating. I'm like, well, they weren't home. And it's got 33-inch tires, and he says there's chains for the tires in the back. Man, I could rip on the ice lakes if I had this thing. And I'm like, unbelievable. I'm like, dude, you don't even have a license. Yeah, but the guy likes me. He never drives it. I think he wants to get rid of it. I'm like, so one of his friends hears Rob talking about all this and says something about it on Facebook to the owner who happened to just start coming to our church. He loved Rob. This was his Jeep, man. He bought it brand new, had it in California all these years, moved to Wisconsin. I don't know what he was thinking. Moved to Wisconsin, working on a pipeline, never drives it. And, he, and, and finally he comes to Rob. He goes, I heard you like my Jeep. He goes, well, yeah, who wouldn't? He goes, I totally understand. I can't sell this thing because it's my baby. I mean, I had this before I had my wife. You know what I mean? And Rob's like, yeah, I totally get that. You know, he said, but... But you love it so much, I, I think you would take care of it the right way. Like, like I, I'll cut you a deal. He goes, uh, does this thing, I don't need, it's, he gives it to him for half what it's worth. And says, and my son's like, oh, I don't quite have that much money. That's okay, just mow the rest of the summer, we'll call it even. I'm like, God, my son does not deserve this. I drove a broken Datsun when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Like, you don't even know what a Datsun is because they were that bad, okay? I mean, how does this work, right? Unbelievable. I don't even know where I was going with that. Oh, peace with God. Here we are. Got to go back to Scripture. I, I just so shake my head at My son, if he gets this Jeep, he gets it home. If he looks at this Jeep and goes, yep, I don't have a car. You'd be like, dude, God like dropped this Jeep in your lap. Yeah, I, I, I don't really have a car. You'd be like, you want to look in his eyes like, are, are you in there? But we do this in our Christian walk. We say, I have to don't like my life. And God's go, I gave you what? Peace. Read the verse again. Sometimes we got to get simple here. You've been justified by faith. You believed in me for your salvation, and the Spirit came in you. It's going to say that in a minute, which is another gift from God. How could we be discontent? We have peace from God. I don't feel peace. It doesn't matter whether you feel it. That Jeep is in your driveway, okay? It's right there. Don't deny it. That is the truth. Don't unbelieve that. And go to despair. I mean, that's a terrible trade, by the way. It's a terrible trade, but we all do it. Because our heart is deceived, and we become discontent instead of looking at what is actually reality. You say, but my reality is I have horrible suffering and hurts. That's true, but you have a peace from God that I guarantee you, as a believer, that I guarantee you is bigger and enough to carry you through all the way to glory, even if your suffering remains the whole time. You could say amen to that, and I would preach a little shorter, okay? I'm telling you, this is a fact. 
Read this passage. He says, and through him, we've attained access by faith into this grace. That's what Nick keeps talking about. We have this grace of peace with God. And grace is that gift we don't deserve. It's just given, given. He says in John, grace upon grace. So every time you need a little more because your suffering is hard, grace. It goes even worse and I can't even imagine how I'm going to make it through it. Grace. That's what God gives. It's right there because he's promised it. And he says, this grace in which we now stand. I mean, that's how we stand. That's how we stay out of despair. It's how we get out of despair is to go back and understand and claim the truth. Believe that peace. He says, and we rejoice in this grace. We stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Suffering's on the top side of the chart. If you go to the next click, you're going to see that it's going to show up on the top. Click again because I'm kind of merging some things. You see up there, sorrow or suffering, toil. There's hardship on the top side, but with right belief, where do we end up instead of despair? Where's the top? Where do we end up? Joy and rest or a restful contentment with God. That was John 15, remember, earlier in the week where we ha- he says he promises us fullness of joy because we have peace, we have hope, we can rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Because suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces what every dad has told their kids. Why do I have to do this? It builds character, right? That's a dad's way of saying, I'm making you suffer. Yeah. <laughs> and I did that to my kids because it was good for them. Now, I didn't do it in meanness, but they mowed a lot of yards with great sweat. And they got a Jeep out of it on top of that, right? I mean, come on. Produce endurance and character. And character produces what? Are you in the passage? Character produces hope. You're not wrong that at certain points you don't feel hope. You don't understand hope in your soul. You don't get these things all at once. I can't teach this lesson to you and you just go, oh, yeah, and the rest of the day have joy. You might. God does do that in some ways because he graces us so hugely. But I'm telling you, there's a process of endurance and character is being in endurance and understanding and staying in your beliefs that are real from Scripture, staying there and staying there. And God, he just, he, he, some, for some of you, he's dumped you in the deep end because he loves you so much that he wants to build you faster because he has plans to use you for his glory and your joy. He's never just using you for himself. He's so kind and gracious and merciful that when he is putting you into play, it is always for your joy and your rest. Um, that's what Romans 5 is telling us. And on top of that, he says, and hope does not put us to shame. Someone said shame in our discontents, right? My failure or shame that leads to despair. He says, hope will never take you to despair. He says, rather, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. I love the end of that because it means when I'm struggling in despair, how do I get out of despair? The fact that I already have peace with God. His Spirit has been given to me. He never leaves me. That Spirit's right there. And as a believer, He will not leave us in despair. I had come to a point, I was ready to quit. I was grumpy. I was irritable, and I wasn't doing very well at all, okay? And I was, I was nearing a stuck point in despair. And I heard this message on Psalm 13, the part I read you earlier. And, uh, and God gripped my heart as I listened to that message. I knew I needed to do something with that. Of course, I waited three months and enjoyed more despair. Not. 
well, the despair was real. The enjoyment was not. And it got worse, and finally I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. And I went and memorized that passage. It's only six verses. And, of course, the end of it, right away I read through it once, and this guy had taught it, and I'm like, I read the last verse about the steadfast love of God and all this good stuff, and I'm like, yeah, I know that's true. Do I sound like I have joy? No. Honestly, the first time I read through the psalm, I'm like, I don't see how this is going to help. That's how much despair I was in. I identified with the top half, but I, how's this going to help? But as I memorized that and I met with God, the truth of that passage formed right belief in God. And it, again, always out of Scripture, that's where right belief in God comes, formed right belief. And pretty soon, that psalm was helping me have joy. The truth of that, the meeting of Jesus in that. And I, was I still in sorrow? Yes, I went to my home church last weekend, and there are parts of it that is still sad, honestly. That's not going away. But I worshiped, and I was not in despair. And I had rest. It was vigorous. I had to work hard to have right faith, but I had rest. And you'll see those three things at the top. Those are things that if I have right belief, I will do those things. As believers with one another, one of the ways we help each other stay out of despair is by doing those things, to demonstrate trust, demonstrate hope. You may have endurance that's brought you all the way to hope. Speak that hope. Live that hope. Let it radiate out of you because some of us at certain moments need to see that from you. It will direct our eyes to Jesus as you speak scripture, and then we can join you with rest out of the same circumstances that previously had brought us to despair. What I want you to do as you exit, some of you in groups, is just to work on giving gospel thanksgiving and adoration. Give thanks that God gave you a spirit. It's a fact. doesn't matter whether you feel like the Jeep is yours or not, okay? Um, it's a fact. You have that. Give thanks that he's given peace. He says he's given you eternal peace. That means that there will be peace tomorrow, the next day, next day, next day, and Paul lovingly says in Thessalonians, I pray that that would land in your heart. So this eternal peace is real, just hasn't landed here. So pray for one another. Give thanks for that peace that you've had and how God has given that. And you say, no one's going to understand how I could have peace in this. That's right. It's a peace without understanding. But it's come from a right faith. If you don't know where to start, start with your discontents. You know those. And in putting those down, then work with a, a friend, a counselor, and say, what about God blows up my discontent? I always know my discontents. I rarely, without help, know how to blow them up. So ask God for help in that way through someone who has that adoration that they're doing with God.